0: Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' messy win over the Cowboys, Carson Wentz's major regression, and the final countdown to the trade deadline and bye week. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing okay, Mike. Uh, trying to decipher, uh, I think it's the first time I've ever seen in one season a uh, win and a tie possibly feel like losses. It's just it's just so weird, especially with this, even though they won 23-9, just a just the way that this win came about. I mean, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I think this is one of those wins where it does kind of feel like a loss based on your perspective, right? This was a game where Carson Wentz should have come out and turned for 365 yards and three touchdowns, avoided interceptions, avoided fumbles, and he did everything but that. And I think... excuse me, if if you're the fan base, you are really, really, really hunkered down on thoughts of maybe Carson Wentz isn't the guy long term anymore. Because frankly, you know, he's been so wishy washy this season. Calling him mediocre might be a compliment. Um, He leads the league in turnovers with 16. That's 16 and eight games. He's on pace for 24 interceptions. Like, it's a bad look. And frankly, he was the only reason why the Cowboys were in this game last night. So we'll get into Carson a little bit more, but I think when you're talking about this game as a whole, you've got to come away with one major positive and that the defense did its job. People can talk about Ben DiNucci all they want. People can talk about uh, the lack of offensive line, starting offensive linemen for the Cowboys. They can talk about the fact that Dalton Schultz was Ben number one target. They can do all that talk. But when you play, what good defenses do is they beat bad offenses. And the Eagles were dominant on defense. Despite Carson Wentz throwing two interceptions and coughing the ball up twice on fumbles, the Eagles defense only gave up three points off those turnovers. So I came away really impressed by the defense. I think they've kind of gotten a bad rap this first half of the season. They haven't been perfect. They haven't been great. But I think what you're seeing is a renaissance of the pass rush for this team. I think uh, Jim Schwartz, especially the last two games, has called really, really strong performances for his defense overall. So what were the positives that you took away from this win? Because it was a win, as messy as it was.
1: I think (laughs) when you mentioned it earlier when it came to that pass rush, I mean, the hallmark of – the defense since Jen Schwartz took took over in twenty sixteen has been, hey, getting pressure with your four. And they've been able to do they were able to do that even with the reserves that the Cowboys threw out there last night. And I think when you look at guys like Brandon Graham, who we we we've he was much maligned in you know, early in his career thinking everybody kept going, hey, Earl Thomas or Brandon Graham. But you look at the way he's steadily improved year in, year out to the point now where he's become among the names of pass rushers, you go like, "Hey, you know what? This guy actually is a is legit rusher. I, mean, I think, I believe he's like fourth right now in the league with seven and a half sacks already, and through eight games. So you look at his performance, and it's just it's just doing really well. And another thing I like that Schwartz is doing is he's blitzing a little bit more as well too. He's not just letting." the four guys up front go ahead and do their thing he's making it even tougher on these opposing quarterbacks and it's going ahead and you see that clock it really started to affect Danucci. he started quote-unquote seeing ghosts as a, a certain new york quarterback you should you had said uh, in the past i mean i think he's doing a i think schwartz has done a good job and i think the linebackers have actually improved i mean even uh nick gary had at um he was deserved to be criticized early to what he did uh, and when his coverage and his tackles. But he can't, even though he didn't play yesterday. I thought he did well, and I thought T.J. Edwards stepped up 12, 12 tackles. I mean, the guy was around the football. It seemed like all the time he forced that fumble at the end. So, I think overall, it's doing they're doing a good job. I mean, now I know the secondary has had his his own issues. I mean, what what do you feel? How how do you think the secondary's performed so far this year? Well, you know, I I think
0: Darius Slay has been a very, very welcomed addition. I think he's come as advertised. I think Pro Football Focus has him giving up 29 catches for 300 yards and a touchdown on the season. He's only given up more than 50 yards once. Uh, That's a pretty big improvement over Ronald Darby. Um, And I think the Eagles feel good about that. I think Jalen Mills has played very well over the past few games. Rodney McLeod's played very well. Um, You know, I think Will Parks had his best game as an Eagle last night. He was everywhere. And then I got to tell you, Michael Jackett, who didn't really do much for me during the training camp practices, really impressed me in this game. He played basically the entire second half with Darius Slate out with an ankle injury. Uh, to update you on that, uh, Doug Peterson said on Monday that the injury isn't major and he should be able to play after the bye week. So that's good news there. Um, but, yeah, Michael, look, this Eagles team has a new young guy stepping up every single game, and I, I think that's important, you know, as you head into the trade deadline and as you view this this team overall. Uh, but I think the secondary – look, the secondary is banged up. They came into this game without Craven LeBlanc and uh, Craig James. Uh, I think Kayvon Wallace is still a ways away uh, from being added to the defense. Rudy Ford had a penalty on sp- – Uh, special teams, which was like a trademark of his last year before he got injured, which was kind of surprising, which is why it was kind of surprising. He was welcomed back with open arms this year. Marcus Epps was fine in coverage, but overall, I think, you know, you're kind of like meh about the secondary moving forward. I think that's better than they have been in years past uh, with how bad the cornerbacks play has been historically. I think Avante Maddox needs to improve uh moving forward to be a starting outside corner but overall i mean look i thought it was a relatively good performance listen amari cooper was held to one catch for five yards uh cd lamb had four catches for 27 yards the eagles secondary did its job in this game
1: Uh, amari who i mean uh I, i i he he showed up on the field yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it was it was great. It was crazy. Like they it, it, it blinked. And, and I think that that def- the secondary has improved big time. I mean, you, you see, uh, I think Jalen Mills, I, I think when I look at him and the way he's improved over this year, he looks more comfortable at safety. I mean, you know, you're wrong when he's pushed to go ahead and play corner. He, he does OK, but he just looks like he's more at home when he plays a safety. And Rodney McLeod, I think he deserves a lot of credit on that back end just overall with this defense because it, I mean listen Malcolm Jenkins he left big shoes to fill when he left and they needed that vocal void and he's stepped into those shoes and become the leader and, and been able to go ahead and, and psych these guys up and lead on the field and off the field And I think the, the extension that they signed Rodney McLeod was money that was well spent and i think that he's going to have he's going to continue to do good things as his this defense continues to get younger and, and get better as as top, the season goes on
0: yeah and let's switch over to the offense cuz speaking of credit we really need to give jason kelsey a ton of credit he's been the 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 iron man of this offense he's you know they've been a plethora of of moves in and out of the offensive line group i think they've had seven different groups in eight games which is almost unheard of Jeff Stoutland and Roy Estevin have done a very good job uh, getting whoever's available to participate and play well. I thought Jason Peters played relatively well. We we criticized him pretty heavily on this past show, but I actually thought he played relatively well. Matt Pryor played pretty well. He's another guy who's been a source of hire for the fan base. Nate Herbig played well. Um, And obviously Jason Kelsey played very well. So, Look, I think Jordan Mailata had some rough moments at right tackle, but then again, he's never played right tackle in a a game before. So, you know, you kind of expect that. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle the offensive line moving forward when Lane Johnson comes back to play right tackle, because frankly, I think what you do is you move Jason Peters after the bye week to right guard. You have Mailata play on the left side, and then you have uh, Johnson play on the uh, right tackle. You can have Matt Pryor or Jack Driscoll back up right tackle, Pryor back up the, the main guard spots, Jariga, back up center, and then figure it out from there. But um, I think the offensive line played relatively well, all things considered. Let's get into the wide receivers. Where are you at with them?
1: Well, I think they're we, we've seen the future and is here now. I think when you look at the way that Rager and Fulgham especially, those two – in in a, in a pinch start, who would have thought that going into the season you had Travis Fulgham and Jalen Rager being your your top two uh, wide receivers on his team? And I thought they played relatively well given the uh given the quarterback play that happened earlier. I think Fulgham has found his way. He he's got a feel for how to get open. I mean, when when the Cowboys Cowboys were primarily playing man to man all the time, I mean, you did a good job. You called it. Right? You beat me to that tweet right before ahead going ahead calling that a. Uh, he was singled up and it should take a shot to follow him down the field. And you called it right beforehand. So kudos to you, beat me to it. Damn it. But it, it was the right. other I think these guys, these guys are doing well. I mean, Greg Ward, he struggled last night. Uh he he dropped a couple of balls that I thought uh that were catchable, but overall he's been doing well as well, too. And you see that they're starting to form here. They're they're starting to form and get a little better here. And I think when you have uh, if you do get Deshaun Jackson back and you work him in here and there and <laughs> I'm debating whether to go ahead and, and, and poke the buttons. Here just, just, don't. just don't. just <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really debating, but just in case, just in case he does come back, you, you potentially, I'll, I'll do it that way too. You potentially have Jeffrey coming back as well too. I think you have a lot of different ways you can attack defenses and you have a guy who can do. A guy who can do certain skill set. Although the one thing I think is really interesting, JJ Arcega-Whiteside only had f- t- five snaps on the field yesterday against that Cowboys defense, which I thought was pretty alarming. Considering, and, and we didn't hear as any, we didn't have heard any anything injury wise with him. So that's uh, don't know if it's going well, we'll to happen. Well, I mean,
0: but and to clarify it. that though, <laughs> uh, Travis Fulgham played all but four snaps on offense. So, um, I mean. And he's the ex-receiver, right? So you're normally not going to have J.J. out there unless he moves into the slot or what have you. Uh, You know, Jalen Rager's a guy that he was fine in this game. I wouldn't, like, write home about him. Uh, Made a nice touchdown catch. He caught a two-point conversion. Um, Was getting open relatively well. But, like, I didn't think he overall had one of those first-round pick games. And I think that's going to be a discussion throughout the second half of the season are they going to force the ball to rager or is fulgham just the guy um and i know how i feel about that debate how do you feel like do you think they need to prioritize the first round pick or just go with what works
1: i think the main thing you have to do is let the offense flow and work with what what it works i think they're going to have they're going to take shots with ragan no matter what and i think i I think that's going to continue to happen but I think Fogleman's just going to, I think naturally get open by, by the way he comes out of his routes and everything else. I think he's just naturally going to be open at times. But I wouldn't mind. I mean, I wouldn't mind taking like a, a couple shots down the field with Rager through the, throughout the season. And I love what they. I mean, I love what they did with him as well too. They saw him bend around, doing a motion and bend around and throwing throwing him in a little uh, wound up being a run, but like a little quick wide receiver pass on a back back end. And I think any way he can try to get the ball into his hands. I'm I'm all for it. But I don't think I don't think they're going to force it, given that all the other people they have coming back, but I, I wouldn't mind going that way. I mean, would you consider and now now looking at this, would you consider running the ball with Rager a little bit more on those end rails?
0: Absolutely. He gives you something that no wide receiver has really given you on that level. Yeah, you can try to run reverses with Greg Ward and, and Nelson Aguilar, but Rager is like a legit like he's built like a running back at wide receiver. And I think that that kind of helps you. He's got similar speed to, you know, Aguilar, but his toughness is there. That guy is just a, a brick house of a wide receiver. And I think um, that helps you. It helps you break tackles. It helps you, you know, go into close windows of space. And I think that's going to be really helpful. I was, Impressed by that play call, especially when when you're working in your first 15 plays. I thought they were very creative there. Doug Peterson's very good, like Andy Reid, at scripting those first 15 plays. After that, we've got a lot to talk about. But, uh, you know, you you talk about Fulgham. Let me give you a stat, okay, a stat line. So Jeremy Macklin's best season came in 2014, the former first-round pick. He caught eighty-five passes for thirteen hundred and eight uh, three. Ugh, he caught eighty-five passes for thir, uh, thirteen eighteen yards. Okay, so uh, one thousand three hundred eighteen yards and ten touchdowns. Sorry, I can read. I promise. <laughs> um, so to put that in perspective. Fulgham's on pace for 75 catches for, um, 1,131 yards and 10 touchdowns in three less games. So that's 10 less catches and a little bit less than 200 less yards. Whoops. There goes an alarm. Um, but, uh, I just think Fulgham's having one of those years where it's just like special. And, um, I agree with you. I think you need to stay within the rhythm, uh, Of the night, which is Travis Fulgham. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about the running game because you and I kind of harped on maybe adding another running back. And I thought Boston Scott against the Cowboys, terrible run defense played very well. He had 61 rushing yards in the first half. That was a career high. He finished with, I think 90 or sorry, not 90, 70. Um, But Doug Peterson got away from the running game. Uh, That said, I think Boston Scott has shown that he deserves to be the number two back. Where are you at with the running back stable?
1: Well, I think he right now, I still look if somebody becomes available between now and uh, Tuesday at 4 p.m., I think you still look around just to see if somebody you want to take a flyer on a guy. I think Scott had a great, uh, Scott did have a great game yesterday. Don't get me wrong, but also you got to look at who they're playing. The Cowboys have one of the worst run defenses seen in a long time. And I wish Peterson, especially with that wind that was kicking up. As the game progressed instead of throwing a 50yard bomb when having the ball hang up there in the middle of the stadium and go every which way it was picked off I think they should go they should have stayed on the ground a little bit more just to go ahead and basically put their throat on that on that Cowboys run and, and not be too cute trying to do so but Scott's done our Scott has done all right and I mean I'm not saying the Eagles should get rid of him. I wholeheartedly not believe I believe they should do that but I do think they do need more of a power back and especially with the injuries Sanders have suffered so far this year, you don't want to wear them down completely and just basically run them into the ground a la Alabama running backs. So I think they need to go ahead and uh, find an, a good option. I mean, I know Jordan Howard's name has been popped up a couple of times and stuff like that, but they just need to see if they can, if they can find somebody that's that's good. If not, I don't mind them seeing like, ground grinding the ball a little more. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Corey Clement. I mean, he thought he didn't really. A I job thought, uh, uh, I, I, man. yes, just yesterday. yesterday. yesterday I mean, you I can't he find slow. anybody, yeah. I mean, pff, they, need, they need to get a bigger, a bigger back end, but where are you going to find it? I mean, there's no, but it wasn't
0: that. I thought, I thought, I thought Clement just looked slow. Uh, he had like a really bad drop on a screen pass. Like, I, I, look, I like Corey and I think he's a good dude and he's the pride of New Jersey, but I also think. They can upgrade him pretty well. I was kind of surprised that Huntley wasn't back there a little bit more. Meh. But anyway. I think
1: could, I think could change his if they changed up and just ran him in between the tackles a little bit more, I think he'd be all right. Instead of like trying to go him on like those stretch passes and trying to attack the edges, if he stays between the tackles, I think he could be okay. But I, that's where I think they should focus, they should try to convert him more into that type of a back.
0: Well, that goes into like what I really wanted to talk about, and that's Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Let's start with Doug Peterson, because I feel like he has spent the last two games trying to out-coach division rivals as opposed to going with the plays that should actually work. And I think that's a big issue for Peterson. Everybody talks about his lack of ego with with play calling and all that. It, listen, he has actively tried to one-up opposing defenses in fantastical ways over the last two weeks, and it really, for the most part, has not worked. He's also really pressed on passing downfield. Again, hasn't really worked outside of throwing to Fulgham Uh, and the one catch for Hightower last week. I'm just not seeing a groove and a connection with any of these plays. It just kind of seems like they're looking at a, a menu and they're looking around and they're picking an appetizer without looking. They're picking uh you know uh a, a thing for the table they're picking an entree uh not looking at the calories and then picking a dessert blindly it's just like I don't understand what Doug's like there's no cohesion to his play calling. Uh you've got a guy who's rushing for 61 yards in the first half and you're at fourth and one and you go for a throw to the outside corner with 32 seconds left and you have two timeouts. I don't understand that. He's got fourth and four and you've got an offense in the huddle until the five second mark on the play clock so you're gonna have to rush it if you don't call a timeout he um he calls an inexplicable recreation of the Philly special on third down in the middle of the field with Greg Ward who frankly seemed out of touch with what his responsibilities were he had Carson Wentz wide open for a little bit or he could have run with the ball I just like some of these plays just feel like overthinking Uh, and I I don't know how you feel, but I I just, he doesn't have a, he's not in a groove as a, as a play caller, as a decision maker, as somebody who has to, um, you know, uh, what sort I'm looking for adjust at halftime. I just, am not seeing it there. And it's largely why the Eagles only put up 15 points on offense against the worst scoring defense in the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing that has me concerned, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, it seems like they always wait and he's always looking to try to make the best play call and is not doing well. And the team always seems to be rushing out of the huddle within the last like 10 seconds left. And there doesn't give Wentz enough time to go ahead and survey what's going on. It doesn't give him enough time to survey and go, go what's going on and to call timeout and stuff like that. Is it seems like he's trying to go ahead and press too much or he's trying to press to try to make find the perfect play and he's not capable of doing it. I'm and I mentioned before, I'm okay. I'm okay with he gave up play calling responsibilities, even if it's for the, until the end of the season, because it seems like he keeps going back so well to the same calls. How many times do we have to keep seeing Jalen Hurts coming in there? Oh well, you know what's going on, read option. Or you know what? He actually, I'm shocked. He actually let him throw another pass last night to Fogle. I'm I'm really shocked he did that. I
0: actually I called it a, a pass beforehand. It, it I think Hertz has a tell too. So we'll get into that. I gotta watch the film on that one. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it's so it's, it's the office has become so predictable at times, and it, it it just goes listlessly. I don't know if he I don't know if he gets bored with play calling. And just feels like, hey, you know what? First quarter, he has a script. Hey, you know what? This looks great. Then he goes to the middle of the game. And goes, yeah, I should fall back to the stuff I feel comfortable with. It's not really working. And then, oh wait, we're down. We have to go ahead and try to push it. And then let's try to go ahead and find some way to string a bunch of plays together. And hey, okay, we'll see if we get the win or not. It, 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 it The offense is lacking a lot of creativity in the middle of the in the middle of the games, and it's also just just listless. It, it's. It, I, I don't. I don't know. I really think. I know you're not a big fan of Scangarella, calling the plays. Or somebody, something that has to be done at least, at least for a couple of weeks, just to go ahead and give a different feel or a different vibe. What's going on inside there? I mean, would you, would you go ahead and give, say, Press Taylor or do such opportunity to call at least a couple series to see if if things go bad instead of just going up tempo all the time?
0: Um. that's kind of tough i mean that's a decision you would have to make the bye week in my opinion i think you can't just thrust somebody into it and the only guy that really has that experience there's two guys that have experience with that marty morningway and and uh rich gangarello and i i don't know if either one of them is really an upgrade when it comes to in-game decision making um my thing is more so have some awareness right if, if it's really windy out and Carson Wentz is struggling on basically every other play, don't take shots downfield. Don't put him in a spot where he's going to fail. Uh, listen, Carson's been terrible. Uh more than he's been great. And I just think that Doug does not know how to pull the reins back. He needs to be the head coach here. He doesn't necessarily have to be the offensive coordinator or the mentor. He has to take authority here whether Carson Wentz likes it or not and rein him back in because frankly it looks like Carson Wentz doesn't know what he's doing out there and he's in year five do you agree
1: I think he he's regret there's a lot of factors in there as well too I think he has regressed a little bit I I think I mean well I'll start with Peterson first I think Peterson does have a lot on there and I think it's a it's really tough I mean especially as a former as he being a former quarterback I think he would love to go ahead and talk to Carson a little bit more I know he talks to him in between plays to see hey what do you like what are you seeing out there but I think he still likes to be that old quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, go ahead and get a better feel and, and really go dive deep and stuff. And he just can't do that when you have that in the headset, headset on or you hear somebody going, hey, you know what? Uh, we got, maybe you have to challenge this or hey, it's third down. What do you do? Go ahead, and get punt team ready and stuff like that. I think there's so much going through his head that he's not able to focus on a lot of stuff. And I think it's starting to really suffer. He's starting to see that. As for Wentz, I think he's regressed. I mean, I don't, I. I still think he can be the quarterback of this team for the future. I think that these next eight games are going to basically determine if that future changes. Now, I still I still believe he can do that. I mean, you've seen it in the past; and he's able to do it. And Peterson mentioned, it, I'll give Peterson. He does have some. He gave some merit. He has some merit mentioning that there's been so many changes along that offensive line and getting used to a lot of these young receivers and that receiver that it's been tough for him to adjust. So I'll give him the fact of that for the next eight games. If after these eight games and the season's over and he still looks like he's lost, you may have to go in the next year. I may say, hey, you know what? You may have to battle for your spot to start next year, even though they gave him this big contract. So I think he's at that point. And I want to ask you, if he continues to struggle at this point, say at the end of the season, he finishes with, say, 30 inter- 25, 30 interceptions, what have you. Are you going to start going with next season with a quarterback contra- uh, quarterback competition with Hurts?
0: Well, as you can probably hear my kid in the background, I mean, it, that's definitely not what fans <laughs> want to hear. But, yeah, I mean, look, you spend a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts. It, it's the reality of the situation. If Carson Wentz isn't living up to his contract, look, uh, we const- constantly have people suggesting that Carson Wentz gets traded. But let me tell you something. If he throws for over 20 interceptions – in this season no one's trading for him on that contract as good as the contract looked when they first signed it uh they have him on the books till at least 2021 and and after that you have probably a really rough time cutting him uh even after that look Carson Wentz has put the Eagles in a bind he looks bad and he doesn't look like the guy from 2017 heck he doesn't look like the guy from 2019 uh, he's just making terrible decisions with the ball, and I think, yeah, if you go into this, se- if he screws up this NFC East title run, if they can't win the NFC East in this in this position, they are in control of their own destiny. They have a one point, they have a one game advantage on the rest of the division heading into the bye week, into the midway point of the season. Realistically, if they win five of the next. Uh, eight games, they should get into the playoffs. There's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't, with all these guys returning, with all this talent that's developing around him. Because I do think this roster's a lot better than a lot of people want to give it credit for. And it's actually managed a lot better than a lot of people want to say. Um, you know, but I, look, yeah. I Yes, to answer your question, absolutely. There should be a competition if this is what's going on. And you take the sunk cost, because that's just what you're going to have to do. Uh, I, I just... I don't get it. Like, I really don't like Carson's had, had his first healthy off season. Granted, it was different because of COVID. He's finally got a number one wide receiver in Fulgham. Who's developed at an incredible pace. He's got some deep threats downfield. Uh, the running game's okay. The offensive line hasn't been good, but it also hasn't been completely atrocious for the last five weeks let alone uh, yesterday, I just don't get it. Like, I, I don't really understand what the what the disconnect here is. I mean, part of it is probably play calling and what he thinks he can do. We've talked about hero ball at nauseum, um, and it's really going to bite them. But he just needs to know when it plays over. And at year five, if he doesn't know it now, I don't know if he ever will. The guy's playing reckless He's making really poor decisions with the ball, especially down the field. And he's just taking chances that really aren't worth the reward. You know, the risks aren't worth the reward here. Um, And sometimes he's just flat out missing wide open players on his reads. He'll hunker down on Fulgham or he'll hunker down on a tight end and just won't look at the rest of the field. That's what happened on fourth and four where they had a rush out and he didn't see... Rager and Ward uh, streaking across the field open. He locked in on Fulgham and was eventually sacked and fumbled. So yeah, I mean, he needs to look, here's what his issue, his issues are all up in his brain. He's showing no pocket awareness. He's showing poor decision-making he's indecisive when he isn't making poor decisions, which is almost worse. Uh, And he's just not seeing the field sometimes. Yeah, there's the occasional Carson Wentz throw, um, you know, like we talked about earlier with the Fulgham catch down the field, but too often he is taking really poor risks and they need to get a risk management system Going during the bye week, they have to break down everything that's happened here. They've got to retool Carson Wentz, and I just kind of don't know if a week's good enough to do that and get him right on the on, on the right track. Uh, from a mental standpoint, you played the quarterback position. How difficult is it to to adjust your 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 uh, tendencies in the middle of a season?
1: Oh, it's tough. Oh, it definitely is because it's almost like it almost like I like it to like a, a lot of muscle memory. You're so used to go ahead, especially if when you're acclimated with a system, you're so used to it and you can try to go ahead and find a new spot. Uh, fi- like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try to focus on maybe looking on check downs, but then you're always, you start to revert at times as well too. Now, I may not be the best person to talk to. Cause I think I have like a career QB rating of like 20 or 30. <laughs> Cause that's, I, I got, I tried it a couple of times to, so, uh, throw a little deep at times and if it even got there at times, but yeah, it's, it's a little tough, but you start, you do start to revert at times. You'll start to look and you start to do that. I think the only, the biggest thing he can do it, that he can really do is he, if I'm him, I'm walking, I mean, they have to go to the facility. They're having a Friday Wednesday, but I'm walking away completely from the game. I'm not looking at that. I'm spending time with my family. I'm spending time with my daughter and then I'm going ahead and start. Hey, you know what? I'm doing things I like to do, just just basically get back into a better mental state, so you can come fresher. I think if you, I think the best thing for him is just to stay away from football for a couple of days, come back, relax, come back in and look at what is the mistakes he made, and then go from there. Because I think when you start to do stuff you love a little bit more, like it's, or just looking at other stuff away from football that you come back it'll be better I think so if the time away and to clear his head I think is going to be the most important thing so I, I just hope that he would he he finds a way to figure this thing out and do it soon because it the, the barbarians are starting to mount at the gate right now
0: yeah and and look I think Jalen Hurts has done some really good things um I think he's done some bleh, 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 things as well. So um, <laughs> <Good attitude. laughs> Yeah, thanks. Uh, but look, I i mean, Car- Carson Wentz is not going to get benched this year. The only way he's going to get benched is if he has another performance like this coupled with another performance like this. Like, If he has back-to-back performances like this, then yeah, I could see it happening. But I mean, look, Carson's taking some bad hits. hes I think he leads the league in sacks. Uh, he, leads away in giveaways. he leads the league in giveaways. Like, it's just not working. And it eventually it's going to affect your confidence. It's going to affect your durability because you're going to press even more to try to not make dumb mistakes and hold on to the ball. Um, and I think, look, the Eagles eventually have to say, look, we drafted this kid, Jalen Hurts. He's shown us some stuff. Uh, maybe he's the guy that's our insurance policy because you know Howie Roseman sitting back there we all crapped on the on the pick, and he, you know, things are happening. So, here, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, as we, as we hit kind of the home stretch of this this podcast, Howie Roseman's gotten a lot of flack for his roster building. Yes, you could argue they lucked into Travis Fulgham. Yes, you could say maybe you know their philosophy on speed was overdone in the draft by drafting basically three players that all attack down the field and not drafting a guy who could be an insurance policy for J.J. like a white side. Yes, you could argue maybe they shouldn't have re-signed Jason Peters because a lot of the stuff going on with him is predictable. Maybe you can argue that the linebackers were underdeveloped. But if you look at the past few games and the guys that are coming back from injury, I don't know that most teams could endure the type of injuries they had and still have a competent depth chart, right? Maybe like Baltimore, maybe Pittsburgh, definitely Kansas City, but I'd say four to five teams in that in that realm. And look, the expectations are always going to be high in Philadelphia, especially when you when win a Super Bowl and you've been to three straight playoff uh, appearances. But frankly, the NFC East hasn't had a repeat division winner since 2004 when Andy Reid was here. And they're on the verge, or at least set up to, uh, repeat as division champions, go to four straight playoff series, uh, playoff appearances. I think Harry Roseman deserves some credit for how he's assembled some of these offensive line talents, at least looking at traits. Obviously, Jeff Stoutland's done an incredible job, as we mentioned. The defensive line's really starting to come alive. Uh, the secondary's played better than it has in the previous two years. Uh, TJ Edwards had maybe the best linebacker game, I, I can recall, of the last two seasons uh, last night. You know, Fulgham is is a guy who was a diamond in the rough, and it has turned into quite the find. Um, I wouldn't start burying Rager just yet. I think he showed some promise there too. You know, Melada's kind of developed. I mean, look, there's some good and bad here. You got to give credit where credit's due. And as we enter the trade deadline, uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. There's roughly 25 hours before. The clock strikes four on Tuesday. Um, After watching last night's game and kind of having the knowledge of the first half of the season, what's the one position that if you really felt like you needed to make a trade, what was be the position that you're going after? Uh, and how much are you willing to pay to get a player of an upgrade status?
1: Well, I'll answer those in reverse. Uh, When it comes to no matter what player I get, I'm not giving anything higher than a six round pick. If that, because you're going to need those picks next year. You you you're definitely going to need it because you're going to have a lot of guys that won't be here, and you're going to have the salary cap the way the way it's looking like it's going to go like a significant. They're significantly over, and the cap won't be as reportedly won't be as high as it normally is, or was expected. You're going to need the you're going to need players with lower salaries, i.e. draft picks, and you're going to need every single piece you get. That being said, I know I spoke about the linebackers earlier. Doing it, I still look at linebacker to go ahead and being being a uh, an impact place. Or if you can somehow get now, I think after looking at the way uh, Roby Coleman, Crivon LeBlanc have been playing, if you can get like a, a nickel corner, I think that could also help you out on on the back end as well too. But to go to your point of of what doing, I'm looking nickel corner. I'm 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 going that route because you don't need anything wide receiver. And I think and another thing I think as well too. I think this team is really looking as these guys coming back from injuries are their trade acquisitions. I mean, I think they really think that they get these guys back in healthy. I think they'll be able to step in. So I don't see that many moves being made as well too. I mean, where were you, where would you target?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you in the secondary. I think I would maybe look into a safety or a, an outside corner or somebody who could move Jalen Mills at times to disguise coverage outside the corner. Um, you know, I think as high as I would go is probably a fifth round pick, but I'd have to get another pick in return. Like my idea is to always trade a fifth round pick so you can get a seventh round and round pick in a guy. Like if you look at, you know, we talked about Avery Williamson from the Jets a, a, a while back. He just got traded with a, a seventh, 2022 seventh round pick for a 2022 fifth round pick from the Steelers. Like that's a deal. The Eagles could have easily made. Uh, and they didn't. Um, but I think the only way I'm trading a fifth straight up is if it's a guy on his rookie contract and he has one year left and I've got to really like this player. So it's a carry on Johnson sort of situation. And even then I'd be kind of bullish about maybe getting a 2022 seventh round pick, even if I wasn't getting one for this upcoming year. Um, yeah, I think they need a better third running back or at least a better, uh, member of the trio than Clement. Um, and then I would say, look, I, look, linebacker's a problem, but they also don't value linebacker all that much. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I thought Alex Singleton kind of took a step back in this past game, but overall he's played relatively well. I don't think Duke Riley should be on the field on defense. He's a special teams guy, and that's basically what he is. Uh, they found their middle linebacker in TJ in TJ Edwards. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um but, yeah, as we head into the bye week, what are your final thoughts, Chris?
1: It's going to be a bumpy, bumpy ending. You have, you still have to go ahead and face the Arizona Cardinals. You still have the Seattle Seahawks. You still have the Green Bay Packers on this list. And it's going to be one of those things where we're going to be uh, – I think we're going to have a lot of discussions like we had today. But it also, I also, at the way this rate is going, I think we'll be uh, reporting for an extra week in the wild card round. I really think it's going to be that. I think, but this team needs to go ahead and reset itself, and they need to find a way to go ahead and get better, just flat out get better, because they they should be at least two or three games better than what they really are, and they and they better do some soul searching to re- and uh, rectify some things really soon. What about yeah. you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, look, what I would say is, I think. This has been a real mixed bag, and we said at the beginning of the season that they needed to be four and four heading into the bye week. Uh, but we also didn't—I mean—to didn't really contend for this division. But really, we didn't anticipate the division being this terrible. So they get in a half game under what the what the expectations were, um, and so look, they've got they control their own destiny. I do think that. Even with Carson Wentz's struggles, he is still the best quarterback in the division. Not by much, because Dak Prescott's out, but um, you know, I think Washington's their only real threat, and Washington will be worth watching uh, against the Giants next week when they're coming off their bye week. Um, you know, The Giants beat them the first time around. So if the Giants can upset the Redskins before the Eagles face the Giants in Week 10— That'll be another feather in the cap for the Eagles as they go into this second half where really guys should all be coming back healthy. Dallas Goddard will have his feet under him. Jalen Rager will have his feet under him. Jason Peters will get some rest. Uh, Jordan Milata's grown. Uh, Like, uh, TJ Edwards is established. All these guys um, are kind of getting back healthy. Hopefully Darius Slay and Malik Jackson will be well-rested as well. Maybe Isaac Samalu comes back eventually. So I, 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 and, and and Zach Ertz potentially as well down the road. So I think they're set up to go on a nice run. Uh, Every year they get a win, like the green Bay game last year, where they upset a team that they have no business beating. Uh, I think that'll probably be Arizona or new Orleans this season. Uh, I'm not afraid of anybody on their schedule, if I'm the Eagles uh, and they're going to be one of those teams, that's going to be dangerous because they're going to play like they have nothing left to lose. So with that said, Thank you for listening to the No Huddle Show podcast. Remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. You can also download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. For Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.